0: Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. For the last two weeks, we've been in a discussion motivated by Rachel Held Evans' book, Inspired. Today, we're wrapping up the conversation she introduced us to about stories. We offer some tantalizing, if not controversial, ideas. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in.
1: When your day goes south, or your relationship gets salty. You need tools that will turn it around. With decades of experience and a variety of perspectives between them, Leslie Sleesman and Leslyn Kantner bring you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating your best life. Together, they're sharing ideas you can take home and try. Each week their discussion will zero in on one idea, one technique, or one activity that has the potential to make your life a little better. And now, here is Leslie and Leslin with Try This at Home.
2: Hey, Leslyn. Good morning. You are sounding a little deep today.
0: I am, I know. I have such a froggy, raspy voice. I'm recovering from a pretty significant case of laryngitis and I guess some kind of a, a virus thing, but the show must go on. So yeah. we don't have anything in the can. We have right? a, <laughs> we have no choice but to go ahead and record today. So at least I have a voice. If we That's were right. if we've done this last week I would no I'd have no voice at all. You have
2: a raspy voice and I have a little bit of jet lag. So we're we're quite the pair today. <laughs> yes, we
0: are, but we're ready for this discussion. I I have to tell you I I've been in my quiet time as I've been recovering and in preparation for this episode, I've been thinking a lot because this book inspires so many thoughts in my mind. And so I don't really know if I can give you a visual on this, but I created a mind map or a thought map that started with the central idea of Bible stories. And then that had me think about what it means to have faith. And that had me thinking about Jesus. And then that had me thinking about souls. And that had me thinking about physics. And then I wanted to know what it was like to define God. And before you knew it, I was thinking about politics. <laughs> and my brain hurts just a little bit today.
2: Yeah, I, you showed this to me a couple minutes ago. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. There's like <laughs> scribbles and highlighter and all kinds of good stuff.
0: Well, I think it's... I mean, for me, it, as I was, again, as I was prepping for this episode, and I would look at something that Rachel talked about, and I'd say, oh, I want to know more about that. And then I was going into the abyss of the internet. Yeah. Um, in a really positive way. But I, my curiosity gets so stimulated. And then I get literally overwhelmed with the things that I want to know more about.
2: Yeah, you're down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, gone. So,
2: so what was, like, the main thing that you were thinking about as you finished reading up her book?
0: I was thinking about stories, right? The whole book is about stories. It's about the Bible as a set of stories and how it really can instruct your faith, but they're not necessarily to be taken quite literally. Yeah. And then I started thinking, well, who wrote the Bible? Let's just really start at the beginning. Who wrote the Bible? Yeah. Right? and i haven't i mean i've taken lots of bible um study courses you know through True. churches and stuff through the years and they focus predominantly on the new testament as mm-hmm. most christian religions do right and you're taught that the the gospels are written by the disciples right matthew mark luke and john and yep. um predominant again mm-hmm. predominant paul wrote right a lot of paul <laughs> And yet there's some question among religious scholars about whether that's actually true.
2: Yeah. I mean, as you know, there are 66 books in the Bible, and they think around 40 people wrote them, uh, 30 of those being in the Old Testament, I believe, and 10 approximately being the New Testament. But it, it's all an approximation. I mean, no
0: one knows for sure. <laughs> um yeah, and then so that just starts like, then you start asking questions. I start asking questions about, well, wait a minute, we're talking about Old Hebrew here. <clears throat> and the translations are not perfect. Right. Right. Now, religious scholars, and again, this is part of the rabbit hole I went down, right? Religious scholars generally agree um, on some things. But I started even saying, well, where did the word God come from? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, God as a deity isn't transcribed that way. Right. And so that, then we have to start asking, well, how did my idea of God even develop? Yeah. Well, I was told that God existed. Yeah. Right? I was told a story. About God. Right. Well, and
2: you bring up an interesting point because there are so many, like, there's so much nuance with with all of this. And what it's like a game of telephone, you know, that game you used to play Exactly. As a kid, yes, right? yes. So it would seem to me that telling a story where the main idea persists is much easier to have last throughout time than some extremely specific literal uh, fact like it, it's harder for that to carry through time i i think and if you're trying to get a message across um the the main idea is easier to have last throughout time
0: And one might even argue that the only thing that lasts through time (laughs) is the main idea, right? Because the specifics, I mean, we could have a whole discussion, and I'm sure someplace there's an entire debate recorded about memory. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these stories were written so long after the actual life of Christ that memory is problematic interpretation and perspective right. becomes problematic. And so to be able to take the words literally <clears throat> is really problematic. And and then you put on personal skewing, you know, you add personal skewing to that Rachel says she said she heard an evangelical pastor brag they, he had never preached from any biblical text that wasn't authored by Paul, not even the gospels. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that
2: when I read that, I was like
0: bragged, like what? Well, because the um, the clarity of the scripture, um, specifically Paul, has been invoked far too often, she says, in too many cruelties to remain undressed. Basically what she was talking about here and this is um in the 208 209 pages of inspired she's talking about the tendency of evangelicals to literalize the words and and specifically focus on what's believable and what isn't and i guess in this particular case he felt that paul was the most authentic of the writers. And so he was going to speak about Paul's um text. And I this is the fundamental problem I have with organized religion.
2: Well yeah, that's a person who has placed his own beliefs on his entire congregation. Yes. And he's he's withheld a lot of really important things. I My favorite book of the Bible is Esther, and it Esther is unique because it's the only book in the Bible where God is not mentioned one single time.
0: Right, that's right.
2: Um, And I probably learned more in that book than any other, really. And uh, Esther's it, the Old Testament. Yeah. It came about at a time in my life where I really needed to read it. And it doesn't – like the story of that – uh, really mattered to me at a very important time. And I'm, as Beth Moore said in her Bible study on Nestor, God isn't in it, but he's on it, you know, all, all over it. And he, I, yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> I'm gonna go with he, but it doesn't, like, why would he, why would this pastor withhold that? Because those words might be meaningful to someone at some point in their life you can't just expect the words of paul and obviously god didn't intend it to be that way or he wouldn't have allowed you know this to come together in his you know divine whatever <laughs> with all of these authors
0: so many good points there you know first of all i at some point i hope we have a um conversation about just defining god in general that's one of my bubbles on my thought map mm-hmm how to define God, Um, because I'm not saying he with a question because I'm this huge feminist, right? (laughs) right? Right. I'm saying he with a question because one of the issues I have is that in ancient times, men were valued more. Sure. And so anything in power had to be male, right? Right. And I think that's part of what propagates gender bias and And as long as we allow the Bible to have that gender bias, women will always be subjugated.
2: but I think a lot of people um, if if you look at important events that have happened in the Bible, Jesus was a huge feminist mm-hmm. <laughs> he He loved women and valued women and respected women. And a lot of key things that happened, women were the witnesses. And if you were writing a book to be believed during that time, you wouldn't place women at the center of a lot of these stories because they were second-class citizens. And so if it were going to be more believable, you would make a man be the first person to see that the the stone was rolled away. And, you know, even... Even though the shepherds were likely men, um, they were second-class citizens, and yet they had a really predominant place in the story of Jesus. And so all through this book, I keep seeing, you know, um, women and other marginalized people at the time really brought to the center, and that's inspiring to me. And it to me, it shows the love of God.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if God is love... Sure. Then... Really, what's being diagrammed there is just that all things are love, right? That, right. <clears throat> but that's not what my perception is of how most people. What most people come away from when they read the pronoun he over and over and over again.
2: Well, and I think that's you're right, and I and I, but I think that's a problem when you don't look at it collectively. Yeah. Well, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you just and this you know this problem persists with everything people nitpick they believe what they want to believe and they judge based on what they want to believe and they forget the rest and you know if if you just read these bits where men are the key figures then yeah sure you're gonna you know that's what is gonna come out of it but if you look at the whole
0: I it's... think it's also important to understand that it's not just men are the key figures in the bible right it's mm-hmm. If men are the key figures in your life, if your life has always been dominated um, in some form of fashion in a patriarchal realm, yeah, then you're, you can't help but use the word he and, or hear the word he, read the word he, and associate that with power. It's, it's part of the way that we understand language. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like when I say, did I make you feel bad? Mm. Right. Really what I'm saying, because I'm a therapist, is (laughs) I'm saying, did a bad feeling generate from within you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. But our vernacular very just automatically uses the word make. But it's it's used in the wrong context in that manner. Yeah. But how many of us stop and think about that. Yeah. And I think if nothing else, a big part of my goal personally in this, the whole context of our podcast is to have people stop and think
2: right.
0: about those automatic thoughts. Whether it's whether or not I'm good enough or whether or not God exists mm-hmm. to stop and think about those automatic thoughts
2: yeah it's funny because words matter is basically what you're saying yes <laughs> words matter and um what you think about the word <laughs> right your definition of that word yeah and i i i have a so my husband and i um are sort of in a little fight right now
0: oh boy <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> that's what you get when you spend two straight weeks together i guess that was <laughs> a long time <laughs> was a long time um I, I obviously I love my husband, but we're yeah we're you know arguing a little bit right now, and nobody can relate to that. Booklet. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you try spending two straight weeks with your spouse, <laughs> um, and it's so funny because when we're when we're speaking in in general, you know just day-to-day talking we don't really nitpick the words that other people say but boy do we ever when we're fighting it's like oh it's like the wrong article was used right you said the instead of the i mean Mm -hmm. you know every little word is picked apart and critiqued and criticized when Mm -hmm. you're arguing Mm -hmm. so we have the ability to -hmm. to to recognize Mm -hmm. when we're using the wrong word we just let it go Mm -hmm. generally Um, and not you know obviously I'm not advocating that people start fighting with everybody but you know just be mindful that your words matter all the time not just when you're trying to win an argument or
0: whatever yeah it really it really is true and and mindful is the is a great word for that because mindful means being very present and intentional Mm -hmm. right and yet it's such a difficult task yeah when you're going about your day-to-day life yeah Was there anything in Rachel's book specifically as we finish up this conversation that you wanted to touch on? Well, it's
2: funny. So you were talking about the rabbit hole. Um, So I think I mentioned before that her book, I only discovered her after she had passed away. And her book led me to, like, listen to podcasts that she was on previously and, like, read articles that were written about her. And something that was written after she died um, was in The New Yorker. And I forget the author who wrote the article, but I just read it um, today, actually. And it really got me. I've been thinking about it ever since I read it this morning. And the the journalist said that Rachel pried open the door. That had been shut on a lot of people um the the door to faith or church or whatever you want to call it um that door was shut for some some groups and she pried the door open and then stuck her foot in to hold it open so that people could kind of slide in there and i thought that's a great vision. that is like a beautiful illustration of someone who was just a great great advocate um and I thought, well, how can I take that illustration um, and and let it inspire me to open a door for somebody and stick my foot in to help them through what have you, whatever it is, you know, what can I do to be more like her? Um, who she was clearly, you know, courageous and willing to be ridiculed and criticized and all that good stuff. Um, but I the, the whole book just kind of obviously I, I think people who read it while she was alive probably had a lot of different feelings than reading it, you know, after she passed for sure. Um, but it was it was just so inspiring. I mean, it's the probably the most well titled book I've ever read. But
0: um, and in your mind, what do you think she opened the door to?
2: I think that she opened the door to a more broad view of Christ's love for sure there are people um, on the far right who have in my opinion a very narrow view of what that looks like and I, I believe my you know my understanding is that that didn't sit well with her and she wanted that definition to be broadened so that more people could be impacted by the church and and christ because there you know there are a lot of churches that do a lot of dumb stuff (laughs) and and there's also a lot of churches that are amazing no church is perfect no person is perfect no religion is perfect no denomination you know but if you go back to what you were saying that god is love love is perfect and you know the more people that can feel that and understand that i think the better
0: it's it's really interesting to hear you say that because that's not what I took away from the book at all. Really, <laughs> and I think that isn't that fascinating yeah. that when I when I listen to the comment, open the door so that more people can understand Christ's love. Mm-hmm. She really doesn't talk about Jesus very much. No, she does not. And so I have to. I kind of instantly wonder how you're using the reference of Christ, but more importantly i think what i mean what i'm kind of taking away from that is that as would be expected we're all reading the book and somehow affirming our our own spirit yeah. right mm-hmm. because what i take from this is that the Bible is a living, breathing thing, right? It's a book, yep. but it's a book of stories. And yep. if you approach the Bible in its whole context—not just the New Testament, so not just about Christ—because mm-hmm. she spends a lot of time talking about the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Um, but you still read it as a book of stories, and use those stories to inform your life, right? Um, in in a way that works. So. I I read the book and I think open your heart to a story and get from it what you need from it.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I think those are kind of the same thing, to be honest with you, because I think that's just uh, um, because if you have a very uh, literal, narrow view of this one story, very few people can be included in it. Mm -hmm. But if you view it as a living, breathing story, where you're taking from it the main point, or you know, there's a lesson to be learned. We obviously everyone knows that Jesus taught in parables, and those are stories. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at more things as stories and just try to take away the big thing, more people are included in that. Mm-hmm. You, it, it's freeing, I think. Um, and you know, the Bible is full of instances where we're not supposed to judge, but people do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um and and it's it's so funny to me because people are judging other people about how they interpret the
0: book that tells them not to judge. <laughs> <laughs> There's something really <laughs> ironic about there, there isn't is. there? I yeah. mean in so many ways. I I will say I've got the book highlighted. I've got lots of tags and I think as we go through the next several weeks Uh, In some of our conversations, because our plan is to dive into a lot of varieties of thought. Yeah, sure. Because a true scholar looks at all the possibilities, right? Yeah. And I I did it, which was another thought I had when I was in the rabbit hole. (laughs) I thought, I wondered how many biblical scholars... Are agnostic. Mm. And it's the 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 debate is fascinating. I, I didn't have time to sit down and read through as many things as I wanted to, but there's such an interesting debate out there. And there's and one thing I read said that archaeologists, religious scholars, and science. Mm-hmm. Scientists are generally more agnostic than other people. And oh, by the way, more liberal. Right. Mm. And one has to ask yourself, why? Yeah. I mean, number one, I'm going to question whether that's even true. Um, So we'd love some conversation on this. If you're listening and you fall into one of those categories and you're not agnostic... Drop us a line and tell us why.
2: I wonder, I, th- I think the more education you have, the more liberal you tend to be. Um, so, and I think maybe that
0: might play a part because typically those three groups of people have quite a bit of education. Well, and that's part of the debate, yeah. right? But I think that's a fascinating question. And so then the really it's about what is it about education then <laughs> that a, a um, maybe opens the door for all of this liberal thought? Yeah. And yet, there's a ton of very well-educated conservative thinkers, Absolutely. right? Um, Martin Luther King was highly educated, right? Mm-hmm. He had a doctorate. My voice sounds funny, doesn't yeah, it? A little bit. A little. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yet, some the, some of the debate is: well, the people who are highly educated that are conservative have a very uh, rigid. Um, Rigid education, in other words, I I really could talk about this so long because, (laughs) um, you know, they come from maybe very um, Christian-oriented universities with very hyper-focused perspectives of study. Mm -hmm. And, And so I don't know if that's true, but I want to really challenge some of those ideas.
2: So is there anything else that you
0: found in the book? I found so many interesting things (laughs) one of the things that um she says that i loved i absolutely love this it's on page 149 she says the kingdom of heaven is not some far off future dream it is here among us made real by the life and death and resurrection of jesus jesus what it looks like is what it looks like when God is King, when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And what I love about that is, in most of my religious teachings, and and this is a perception that has been allowed to um, fester or foster. It's been fostered, you know, significantly. Yeah. Is that heaven is someplace else? Right. That you have to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And today, my belief system is is that if I am walking the walk and talking the talk, if I'm doing what Jesus would do, right, then I am creating heaven. I'm creating the essence of love, community of love, so to speak, right here. Yeah. And this this is what um, it looks like when God is king, God's will is done. To me, that's the essence of being Christ-like. But it's not some it's not some place. Yeah. When I was a little girl and I saw sun rays coming through a cloud, I'd look up and go, Mom, there's heaven up there. Yeah, yeah, in the clouds in the clouds. Yeah. yeah, always in the clouds. Why is that?
2: Probably because that's, you know, just the... The paintings the in the paintings Sistine in the, Well, that
0: or, you know, in, the, in every church nursery yes. in the country. <laughs> those kinds of things. And, and again, those are... Ideas that we allow to be propagated, and I think there's danger in that. There's a misunderstanding well, in that.
2: I think this, you know, this could probably be another entire topic, but I think this is the, the what happens. This is the danger when people just allow these ideas. I, this is hard for me to word, but when people don't do the research themselves, when they just listen to kind of the what's out there in, you know, social media, in the news, whatever, however you're you're getting this information, you're just taking it in from from the air as if it's truth yeah. Yeah. instead of like, that's you know, one of my bubbles. Yeah, I'm I'm going to this Bible, man. Lots of people talk about this and it's really crazy and some people love it and some people hate it. I'm going to read it myself and get my own education and my own thoughts and opinions. But I really don't feel like people do that. They just constantly, you know, if you're a liberal, you're watching CNN, if you're a conservative, you're watching Fox News, and that's where you get all your information and from your friends and from your feed, which is highly cultivated to make sure that it is only showing you people that believe and think just like you. Um, and, And nobody's doing the hard work themselves anymore.
0: And let's define the hard work. The hard work isn't just investigating it, right? It's investigating all sides of it. That's right. Because I can hear thousands and millions of people saying, wait a minute, I did read the Bible, and I did get more educated. I went to Beth Moore's seminars. I did Bible studies. I read the books, right? Yeah. But did you read the opposing view? Sure. That's my question. Yeah. Did you read the opposing view? Did you hear what somebody else had to say that doesn't think the way that you think.
2: Yeah. I My uh, best friend from childhood, we've been friends for 30 years now, and um, I have many friends that are Mormon. And I have done a ton of research on their religion. Um, When my friend was converting when she was 16, Abby, were you 16? I think she was 16. Um, I read up on it. A lot because my best friend was doing this thing and I wanted to know about it and I've read a ton on it. It's not something that I subscribe to, but there's no bad thing that came from me (laughs) researching it and investigating it. Many of my dearest friends are Mormon. I I am not. That's okay. I know a lot about it. It's great.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important to just reiterate, I think we said this last time, the point of these discussions is not to convert Right. A way of thinking. No, right. That's not certainly isn't my goal. No, and but the point is to really expand upon what you believe or to challenge the beliefs you have, even if you come back around to the same thing. Yeah. Another thing that Rachel says on page one fifty one, and again, I'm not a hundred percent this is true. I'm just going based on what she wrote. Not once does anyone pray the sinner's prayer or ask Jesus into their heart in scripture and i find it fascinating and again my experience with christianity is that all of the christians that i know today would say have you asked jesus into your heart (laughs) and if you haven't you can't be a christian
2: right and some religions would go so far as to say if you haven't been baptized right then you can't be so
0: if it's not If it's not in Scripture, where the heck did that idea come from, and why is it so pervasive in the Christian community, and why do so many people find or feel that they they can't um, call themselves Christian, or they can't have a faithful life as conditioned by this, you know, the norm, Mm -hmm. if they haven't quote unquote asked Jesus into their heart,
2: yeah. I think one of the, the biggest things for me, and this is the pull, this is the thing that I can't, um, I can't get away from it. Like it just, it pulled me in is that when you read for me, when I read this book and I believe that, you know, choosing to be a Christian is far and away been the best decision of my life, um... When you read it and you come to understand it more and more, and again, I understand like a speck of it. Let's just be honest here. But the speck that I do know of makes me want to be more Christ-like. It's I'm not like I just feel compelled.
0: like i I can't help it. And I must ask, does and I'm not asking for an answer, but for yeah. because I think that's a really profound statement. What I know about the Christian religion propels me to be more Christ-like. Yeah. That's what I heard. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. That I think I agree with you personally. Yeah. I think that that's the that is the faith. Yes. That's the that's the goal, mm-hmm. to be Christ-like. To live the life that Jesus lived lived in love. Right. Um, Rachel says on page 154, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor, the meek, the peacemakers, the merciful, those who hunger and thirst for God. And if God is love, you could easily just say they're those who hunger and thirst in mm-hmm. the pursuit of love, right? Yeah. It advances not through power and might, but through missions of mercy, kindness, and humility. So if mercy, kindness, and humility is... What it means to be a Christian to you, God bless you, literally, yeah. because that's if the world existed with those virtues being prominent, mm-hmm. it would be it would be
2: heaven. It would be, and unfortunately, those I feel like are qualities that are less and less valued.
0: They are, it, yeah. I mean, certainly in many ways, and again, the debate could continue. So, yeah, I think. We literally could go down so many (laughs) rabbit holes. And um, I want to remind everybody that it's in our nature to need stories. They are, stories are the earliest sciences. Um, They're kind of, Scientific American calls them the physics of people. Mm -hmm. Their logic is how we naturally think. They configure our biology, how we feel. And To help us relate. Yes. And and like Brene Brown says, stories are necessary for survival. Mm -hmm. And so Rachel inspires us to think about stories, stories from the Bible, stories in our lives. And our Try This at Home this week is to challenge your story. Identify the story you tell yourself about faith, not to prove that it's wrong, but to consider whether or not it still fits with your adult self
2: mm-hmm and I would just challenge people too to you know if you if you sit back and you realize that your you know thoughts and beliefs about this have come from somewhere else, do the work yourself.
0: Absolutely. Um, it, it, I think education is so vital and it's it, it's free in the sense <laughs> that you can get on the internet And you can learn as much as you want to. And will it be skewed? Certainly don't believe everything that's on the internet. (laughs) Look for reliable sources. Just like when you did your term paper in high school. That's right. (laughs) You have to use reliable sources. You have to get a well-rounded argument. Yeah. Right? Look at all the sides and take from them what you can hear at this moment. Yeah. I love it. All right, so that's our discussion for today. We hope that you will share it with people that you love. As always, we are super grateful that you took the time to listen. Next week, we will be talking about judgment, and we hope that you'll join us. If you have any questions or comments, we hope you reach out to us on our website. We'd love to hear your comments about today's discussion at www.trythisathomepodcast.com. And of course, We'd love if you subscribe to us wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you're so inclined and you're an Apple listener, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For now, this is Leslie and Leslyn hoping you'll try this at home.
1: All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.